W-O-Z-O-L-P, Knoxville. W-O-Z-O-L-P, Knoxville. 103.9 FM, Knoxville. Just in case you're a fed or, or a narc and uh, you want to tell on me if I don't do a legal ID and uh, you W-O-Z-O comes to justify our sins to unmask the conspiracy and to get us back the slack they stole away let the strangeness continue you're listening by God smoke them if you got them it is time for Borderland who am I? Who am I? You may you may ask. You may say. We might. You may. You may. Oh, whoa! But and if and then I would answer. Well, I'm no DJ, no obedience. And if you ask around, you'll find out that I don't do what I'm told. This is deprogramming from the Universal Media Network. I guarantee you this is going to be insane. So, let's melt the North Pole. What? Melt the North Pole? Well, Congress once considered the idea. And really, it wasn't such a bad idea. Except for one or two little things. We'll read about it. Read with me. Idea. Just how far can you go on this thing? Warm. Do not open your eyes until I tell you to do so, please. Melt. Thought. The albatross passed along the idea to Congress. The freezing waters could be pumped out and the warm pumped in. Theory can be dangerous but also moist. It's far from the worst idea ever concocted. So let's melt the North Pole. Ready? It is essential to continue the experiment. You got no other choice. I have a choice. That is incorrect. We may drink a good deal of liquid and not easily satisfied. Our thirst. Please continue. Liquid increases the thirst until that painful thirst becomes unbearable. Which reminds us, men must soon learn to remove the salt from seawater and learn a way to transport that water to people inland. They must learn to do this are learning, or animals will inherit the earth. Is this sentence true or false? Survive means live at sea. True. Have we passed the point of no return? So let's melt the North Pole. It is perhaps even more dangerous than interesting. He says it's got to go on, the experiment. For these regions would then lack that which made them moist, thrust, thought, thought.
thought, thought, thought. That concludes this lesson. Welcome back to WFML, The Lantern, the official radio station of our university. My name is Spatula, and I'll be your host for this hour. We just heard music from Throat Vomit, the song titled Throw My Parents in a Wood Chipper. Oh, love that one. Before that, we heard the band Wet Dog Food, the song Heroin-Flavored Potato Chips. And finally, that last song you heard was the sound of me hitting various objects in the studio with a hammer. Keep it tuned in here to The Lantern. Up next, 12 minutes of goat noises. What? Uh, I don't technically have a hearing problem, but sometimes when there's a lot of noises occurring uh, at the same time, I'll hear them as one big jumble. Uh, again, it's not that I can't hear, uh, because that's false, I can. Um, I just can't distinguish between everything I'm hearing.
1492. See, people have many opinions about him, who he was or what he was, but whatever, see, he was really like the virus. The spirit was being eaten by disease, and it affected the perceptional reality of the human. When Columbus and them got here, and we told them who we were, they didn't know. We said, well, we're the people, we're the human beings. But they didn't know, because it wasn't a part of their perceptional reality. <laughs> the concept was no longer a part of their perceptional reality. See, this is what happened to the tribes of Europe and the descendants of the tribes of Europe. And so I know that by the time Columbus got here, and I, I got a pretty good idea way before that, but, but by the time Columbus got here, the idea of a human being and people in that kind of a way, was no longer a part of their perceptional reality. What did Columbus come out of? See, when he got here, this hemisphere had no protection to this disease because it had never been here like that. <laughs> so there was no immune system to the disease as it moved because the disease came through the wind and the water. So it was airborne in a way and water carried. So it just took the shape of a man rather than something you can't see. But it arrived. All right? And this spirit that was being eaten, which made this diseased perception of reality. So by the time Columbus got here, all right, let's look about, about 1100 AD or 1000 AD, the church made the decision that it was God's government. It was the authority of God on earth, so it was God's government. And at that time, the descendants of the tribes of Europe no longer remembered that, that they come from tribes. This wasn't really a part of their conscious reality, because by 1000 AD, see, they've been owned for many, many, many generations by whoever claimed ownership of the land and started owning the land. And they became fiefs, and they became serfs, and they became peasants. So they really had no reality about being a part of the tribe anymore, because they were just the property that was owned like whoever the landlord was, or the royalty at any given time that owned that land or claimed that land, they belonged to that land like all of the other natural resources of the land. But they still prayed to spirits. The women still had a, a, a stronger role yet from the old tribal way, and they still prayed to spirits. So the church, by 1000 AD or 1100 AD, it decided that it was now going to mine this resource. I mean, save the souls of the heathen, see. So the church created the Inquisition, and basically the Inquisition was, number one, is it was to change the perceptional reality of the descendants of the tribes of Europe. Right? And so they were terrorized and brutalized for 500 years in order to do this. But, but the way the church rationalized this was they were going to save, they wanted to possess the souls of the heathens and the pagans. See, they wanted to possess their souls in the name of, of their Lord. All right? So th this war was to, about possessing the souls of the descendants of tribes of Europe. And in order to possess their souls, they had to alter their perceptional reality. So if you thought differently than the church wanted you to think, bingo, you were, you were killed. You were tortured and your property was taken. And if somebody accused you, basically you were guilty if you were accused. You know, and all incidentally, during the torturing process, you'd probably say somebody else's name, so now somebody else is going to... So they killed as efficiently as they possibly could with the technology they had at hand at the time. And they did it for 500 years. By the time Columbus got here, it had been going on for 400 years. So by the time Columbus got here, let's say 20 years to a generation, just for the lifespan during that time frame. All right? So by the time Columbus got here, the descendants of the tribes of Europe had been through 20 generations of having their spirit just completely attacked. And the way this possessed thing kind of just seems to manifest itself, so they became spiritually and physically now the possession of something else. Before that, it was just physically. Now they had become spiritually the possession of someone else. They had no clarity about reality. So by the time Columbus got here, see, they didn't know what it meant to be a human being anymore. It was just not a part of their spiritual perceptional relationship to reality. They were possessed, they were owned, they were property. And one of the other things about this that kind of evolved out of that, I think it evolved out of that, was anyway, when the church was doing all of this to get the descendants of the tribes of Europe, they, they finally figured out, well, hold it, if I want to stay alive and be a descendant of anything, I'm going to have to accept these people. <laughs>
So they embraced the church because they had to embrace what they feared. So they had to love what they feared in order to survive. The thing that they had to love that they feared was possessing them. So it's like love and fear and possession as a perceptual reality kind of, kind of became intertwined at that time and the human beings have not been able to sort it out yet. So that affected everyone in some kind of a way that's not been healthy for us as human beings. So anyway, anything and all of these things that have happened to us through our generational evolution has been a learning experience, has been a part of our evolutionary experience. I think that we're in the right time, <laughs> we're in the right place at the right time, even if we don't quite get it. There's a reason we're here. We're here at the time for us to be here. That's why us and the lives that we have lived that brought us to this place and that we will live when we leave this place. There's a reason that we're here. And part of it is, I know we're here at the right time and we're in the right place. It's just how, how are we going to start perceiving reality? You know, and that's just really where it starts to, to become more clear. Out of self-respect, we owe it to ourselves. Out of respect of self, we owe it to the selves of others. Let's use our intelligence as intelligently as we can, as often as we can. Right? It's not even saying all the time, but maybe we get there someday. To understand, you know, there are moments in our lives, there are times in our lives when coherency would probably be the best thing to do, <laughs> you know, before one deals with what's there in front of them. Because a part of the, what this confusion that I call that this pollution that's left over in our perceptual reality, see, has got to do is they don't want us to think. Okay? This is the deal. Whoever this minor is, <laughs> the way this thing works, they don't want us to think. I mean, I didn't really understand it. I knew this, but I didn't understand it. I knew this a long time ago because at one point when I realized somewhere along the way that there was like these 17,000 pages of stuff on me, right? And I thought, hold it here, what did I do? You know, because I know what I did, <laughs> you know? So I know this was, I know how I participated. And just once it sunk into me about all of this had been done around someone like me, right? And it made me think, well, I understand what they fear now. I mean, I know what they fear. I know their paranoia because sometimes I can be coherent. See, and they, they don't like that, right? They don't like it when I'm coherent in front of people because then we're coherent together. See, whether we agree with one or another or not isn't the point. They just don't want us to be coherent individually or together, right? And so that's really what I figured out. This is why they have to have people spying on people and they got to do it because they don't want us thinking. They don't want us thinking. I mean, in the hypothetical... <laughs> Some kind of dream. Well, I don't even know if this is a dream. If every human being woke up tomorrow morning and said, all right, I will not enable what I know to be the lie all day today, it would change. It could not function. If every human being got up tomorrow and said, I will not enable it, I will not participate in the lie today, it would change. But that's not going to happen in, the, in our lifetime, right? I don't know. I should never say never, but I don't see it. <laughs> anyway, about us being in the right place and in the right time, because in our place in the evolution, it's how we use our intelligence that says, because no one can control what's going to happen. Even those in authority, they can't control it. They've got us intimidated and they've distorted our perceptional realities, all right, so that we don't see as clearly as we should. But no one can really control it. But what we can do and what we will do, right, is we will influence the evolution. We will influence if we use our intelligence as clearly and coherently as we can, as often as we can, then the evolutionary future will be more clear and coherent for us. We use it pretending to think, but we're not really thinking because, you know, then that means the future, the evolutionary future will be unclear and unthinking. This is the participation. This is the, because this is the power relationship we have to reality. Just like an earthquake as, you know, an earthquake or a tornado. Remember now, we are shapes of the earth. We have consciousness and we have being, we have essence. 
It's like drops of rain, you know, and enough drops of rain get together, you know, and you get a little, you can make a real storm. And the authoritarian system has to adjust to the storm. They can't find it or indict it again, <laughs> you know. When it snows, the next time you get shut in in Chicago, remember your relationship to power because you're a snowflake. Right? And once we understand our relationship to power, then, then this other thing that is the wind, this other thing, it appears. It works individually or collectively. But see, but we have to understand to use our intelligence because this is our create. And how good, how good are we at creating with our intelligence? Then let's look at our own personal dark sides and the things that give us our fears and our doubts. This is how good we can use our creative ability. This is how effectively we could use it. You know, sometimes your mind plays tricks on you. It can tell you you're no good, that it's all hopeless. But I've discovered this. You are loved and important, and you bring to this world things that no one else can. So hold on.
I look at bald eagles and I see them and I think scary, aggressive, masculine. And I wonder if that's because of like their facial structure or something, or if it's because I have a deep-seated distrust of the United States government, which has bastardized that living majestic creature into the core of its marketing campaign. Men have always run things, and there have never been any problems whatsoever. And don't say the economy, or Iraq, or income inequality, or racism, or Brett Kavanaugh, or air pollution, or Vietnam, or slavery, or Watergate, or capitalism, or Me Too, or homelessness, or police brutality, or homophobia, or Monica Lewinsky, or school shootings, or Native American genocide, or Fox News, or Tim Allen, or climate change.
are listening to WOZO. Hey, everybody, this is Borderland, and uh, People's Radio is where you're listening right now. Yeah, I wanted to uh, add something to uh, all that stuff I was playing earlier about the patriarchy. You know, there's a lot of personal deconstruction of, like, white supremacy and... Uh, you know, the capitalism, the colonialism and all that. But, you know, it seems like all of that is held up. The very baseline is patriarchy. I don't think you could really have successful white supremacy without uh, the built-in framework of patriarchy. And it also supports capitalism, exploitation, uh, Christo-fascism. All of that is baseline patriarchy. And... Uh, you know, you don't have to have uh, white supremacy to have patriarchy uh, dominating uh, women, uh, all kinds of queer culture, and uh, and the poor, you know, uh, the handicapped. Uh, disabled people get it just as hard and as deadly as anybody else. So I wanted to throw that in that you know, as much as we have to decolonize ourselves and, uh, you know, I want to deconstruct uh, capitalism without the baseline of patriarchy you know without you know getting rid of what it means to be a toxic male not that what it, you know the the ideas of gender you know all of that you know, a man woman that's so fluid and up to a personal interpretation but patriarchy wants to inform you what a man is what a good man is what a good woman is and i think it's destructive to men as much if not more than everybody else because it makes us complicit and keeps us like a thought virus, keeps us passing it on. So there, there you go. There's the rant that I was uh, building up but got a little distracted by all this caffeine that I'm uh, ingesting. So there you go. Um, loop back around. Who the hell said that? This is DJ No Obedience, and this is Borderland, and I'm redoing this. Oh, 
mirror itself without form.
And um, already you can have conversations in your mind with people through brain uh, uh, headsets and brainwave uh, implants and things like that. And we're going to get to a point, you know, Elon Musk says there'll be a commercial device in five years. I don't know if that's the case, but definitely within 10 years, there's a good chance that there will be a commercial device on the market that will allow you to talk to your friend or give a speech in real time like I'm doing now. So you were on a journey. I was. Did you find what you were looking for? I think you know the answer to that. Can I tell you a secret? Of course you can. I told my mom and dad I wasn't scared. But I am. I don't want to be on a quest anymore. I want to go home. Okay. Can I tell you a secret? I'm a little scared, too. Really? Yep. But guess what? What? That's a good thing. Why? My mom told me something 
when I was about your age. And I think it might have been the smartest thing anyone ever told me. You want to hear it? Yeah. She said that fear is something that lives inside us. Just like hope or joy or love. They're all things that make us special. But fear might be the most important one of all. Why? Because without fear, we wouldn't know how to be brave. Fear is what makes us heroes. There will not be a future if we do nothing but hope on the inadequacy of our own inaction in such a delayed reaction when a temperature rise of a fractional degree in every corner of the world means some level of catastrophe to bet on pure theoretical volition in hopes that it somehow lowers our emissions, our burning, breathing addiction to oil, to gas, to CO2. It's storming our ecosystems, it'll storm us too. The data is consistently insistent. Heat correlation to carbon climbing higher. We can either sleep through the smoke in science or curb the source of the fire. But there is not an option beyond hope. No, they're too drastic with drought in our pollution, our sewage and our plastic. Fantastically, miraculously saved by a new, desperate generation in a planet raised. And an ill-conceived climate plan far off creation and some distant iteration of greenwash technology to so to say humanity, ecology, biology, and time is running out. Because now has come a time where hope is not enough. But not all hope is lost either. We still have time that we can make the most of. We still have a planet. We'll protect it in a way that we're proud of because we love Earth and each other. And I do have faith in myself and in all of you, but faith alone isn't enough to tide us through, to save us from certain doom without translating that faith into actionable taunt.
I'm scared of going out Having all these doubts And I'd rather stay home Cause there's Z-O-L-P, Knoxville, against uh, the wishes of some right-thinking people. Uh, I'm proud of you. you know, uh, don't let that stop you. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Let the strangeness continue. Smoke them if you got them. W-O-Z-O, the People's Radio needs listener financial support to stay on the air. Currently we owe over $1,000 to the various music licensing companies such as BMI and ASCAP. This is a yearly bill that we have to pay in order to remain on air. If you could help us with a donation of any amount it would help. Our Venmo account is at W-O-Z-O-F-M. Thank you for helping to keep our scruffy non-commercial non-profit community-run radio station alive. Let the strangeness continue. 